The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Rack and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is the newscast for episode 102 for the week of January 28th, 2019. Uh, so, so how are you doing, Rob? Uh, I'm doing nothing fantastic. funny going on here. Uh, well, I hit the record button a little earlier than Alex expected, and uh, we got to hear Alex's weekly uh, vocal warm-ups. You know, um, for, for a voice this good, you got to make sure it's primed. You know, you don't just work out the body. I know, I know how it is. You got to work out everything. No, I, I don't work out the body. Just, <laughs> just the voice. Just the voice. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, January's just about over. Can you believe it? Uh, this month has just flown by. It has just flown by. It, it, it's pretty amazing. Um, this is the the last couple days of January, almost into February. Um, I, I still can't even write 2019 right. I know, right? Uh, we do have a, a little bit of housekeeping before we jump over to the uh, the news for the week. Uh, reminder, we have a Slack channel. Slack channel has been super active. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on there. Over 750 members on the channel right now. Um, we also have a mailing list. If you're interested in getting the show notes delivered into your inbox uh, directly, we would be happy to uh, have you guys sign up on the website, colorado-security.com. And we would love for you to go to your favorite podcast application and subscribe to the show. And while you are there, it would be great to rate the show, you know, preferably um, a high rating so that we get more listeners. And uh, yeah, please do that. Uh, And next, we have a Patreon campaign. Patreon is a a website where you can donate to support what we do here. Really, what we're looking for is those followers out there who have, you know, a few bucks extra per month, maybe five or ten bucks if you don't mind, uh, that you'd be willing to kick in. Helps us do things like pay for hosting fees, uh, pay for microphones, uh, whatever things it takes to to keep the show running. We appreciate it. None of this goes into our own pockets. We've made it pretty clear that the intention of these funds is to go back into the security community. Uh, and if you don't have money you want to give, that would be great if you just tell a friend, um, you know, pass it along, let people know about the podcast and the website, colorado-security.com, obviously. And uh, yeah, spread the word. Let everyone know how great Colorado is for security. So Alex, you know, as we jump into the news here, you know, for years you've been telling me I have a huge head um, and, and I, I've always told you, well, yeah, it's because I'm smart. And, and now there's actually some research to, to back up my claims. Holy cow. Uh, it, it's hard to believe, but it, it's really because Colorado wields the most brain power west of the Mississippi. Uh, I, so apparently we do have a lot of smart people here. Um, and, and that's really based on some smart people who did some research. Is that what I'm learning here? Yeah. So a wallet hub applied 20 metrics to all 50 states to come up with the rankings. Uh, Denver was first in percentage of associates, degree holders, or college experienced adults. Second in percentage of bachelor's degree holders, um, also 14th for high school diplomas and eighth for graduate or professional degree holders. Um, so we, we did come in fifth place overall. So obviously those folks in the, the oldest part of the country apparently have been, you know, they, a, lot of, a lot of old institutions. Uh, number one, uh, no surprise, Massachusetts. Harvard, MIT, you know, yeah. it's tough to compete with that. Yeah. Uh, Maryland, then Vermont, and then Connecticut. So uh, uh, I guess this is a suck it Austin moment for us right here. That is right. Uh, One area, though, where Colorado is lacking is in university quality, believe it or not. 
uh, we ranked 47th, only ahead of Kentucky, Montana, and South Dakota. So I guess you can't be perfect. Wow. We don't have, I guess, a lot of the like big private universities, right? We've got DU uh, and um, you know, School of Mines. That that's private school too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's there's a couple of pretty high quality universities there. Yeah. I, I huh. guess guess the rest of them are not quite Maybe, as good. It's probably quantity of high quality. I'm just guessing. Could be. I should do some reading instead of just guessing, huh? Yeah. Um, so in addition to that, Colorado was named the third best state for retirement. So um, the, the sad part here is that last year we were the second best state, so mm-hmm. we're moving down. But, um, you know, again, with a, a suck at Austin, we are <laughs> way ahead of Texas. Uh, so, you know, no surprise that, that number one is Florida. And, and I'm, you know, that's really based on tax and weather, health care, those types of things. Uh, but I was actually surprised, number two, uh, South Dakota. South Dakota is the second best state. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that, you know, that you would want to retire there. It gets pretty cold. Um, but, hey, what do I know? Um, I think no surprise that Florida is number one. Yeah. Uh, next, you know, we talked that there is a new CIO for the state of Colorado. We mentioned that a week or two ago. Um, and now there's a, an article here just talking about the CIO's plans. Um, the CIO wants to deliver customer delight both to the workers and the, the uh, residents of Colorado. Yeah. As uh, you mentioned last week, Rob, um, our new state CIO uh, came from industry you know, and she, she's had lots of experience doing consulting and other things like that. So she really thinks of, of uh, herself and the IT departments there as consultants, the 17 agencies and the, the executive branch. Uh, there's also a, a big push to move uh, things to the cloud. There's going to be an, a, an application that goes live here pretty soon that will be the first fully cloud application for the state of Colorado. And they're looking to, to do more of that. She specifically in this article talked about cybersecurity being a big focus for her, her administration and the desire to, to really be an example for other states on how you prepare. And then, of course, how do you respond uh, if you do get hit with a cybersecurity attack? Yeah, uh, good stuff there. So we will look forward for good things from the, the state CIO. So as there, you know, next story here, Maxar, if you remember, formerly known as Digital Digital Globe, they were acquired and uh, merged into another company called Maxar. So they had some bad news here in the last uh, little bit where one of their satellites had a failure and it's caused their shares to plummet quite a bit. Yeah, so the the satellite itself um, was a $150 million satellite. Um, it sounds like they're going to be able to recover a lot of that money through insurance. Uh, but I think there's just um, you know lack of confidence now that they're going to be able to to recover from this. Um, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, since October 2017, when Maxar acquired Digital Globe, uh, the shares were trading above 60, and now they're trading just above five dollars. So we'll be really clear that this is not advice for trading stocks because yes. we are not good at that at all. Um, however, wow, holy smokes, that's a that seems like a buying opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, their market value went from 3.6 billion to 303 million. That's wow. quite the drop. Well, if the community here wants to chip in, maybe we could uh, make it the Colorado Equal Security Organization, and we could just <laughs> just buy the whole thing. Well, you know, I'm sure we could do some good with uh, satellite imagery. You know that that seems security focused. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Why not? Um, uh, on to another uh, not quite so happy. Uh, piece of news uh denver cable company wow um or wide open west i believe is what it it stands for um is laying off more than 200 employees uh it it is interesting in the statement that they made this is not necessarily because of uh things that are not going well for them but almost or at least the spin is that they're they're doing really well and they've essentially automated 
um, this call center out of business. So they've done a lot of things to make it so that they don't need as many call center workers anymore. Yeah, it, it's a it's a big number of folks for them to let go. Out of the 460 people in Colorado, they're letting 184 of those people go. So obviously for those people, a big impact. Um, but to your point, the, the story here is actually that they, they say that things are going very well, that their automations worked and that their investments in technology have allowed them to do this. Um, you know, I think this is kind of a, a vision of the future, right? As, as AI and um, new, more efficient technologies come into the scene, you, you do expect to see some of these jobs get, get moved out. Yeah, and it is nice in the article, they stress how they are, even though they're getting rid of these employees, they're doing their best to, to treat them well and provide them with uh, good packages going out the door. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, it doesn't feel good to be one of those employees anyway, but as you read it, I, I got the sense that they were doing just about everything they possibly could to, yeah. to give these people their next opportunities. Moving on to um, security company news, uh, there was a blog post this week from Ping Identity uh, talking about a survey where it found that security concerns are preventing cloud and SaaS adoption. Uh, so this survey, um, which was commissioned by Ping, um, it found uh, that people are still reticent to move to the cloud in some instances because of security. Some of those key findings were um, most of folks' infrastructure is a, a hybrid cloud infrastructure, which I, I think that's interesting. Uh, security concerns are holding back the adoption of cloud and SaaS, and enterprises are spending more to protect customer identity. Yeah, it, it was interesting to me to, to hear this. I think there's this perception that everything is cloud at this point, um, and, and it's just not true for the enterprises. What I think is really happening is there's a really big push for that new procurement, new purchases be much more cloud focused than they were in the past. So vendors are really heavily because, you know, all, all their money comes on new purchases or a lot of their money does. Um, so they're really focused on cloud. But enterprises just have this, you know, just enormous investment in their in their data center and their legacy systems. Um, and those things have certainly not gonna, gone away and they look like they're not going to go away all that soon. Uh, I think one of the interesting points from this is something you and I have talked about a lot on the show and off the show. Uh, the, the fact that you know security is generally seen as the number one reason people don't move more quickly into the cloud, um, and I think that that's something of a shame that you know the security teams need to to really kind of examine themselves to say how do I get there faster? How do I enable the business to get the value you can get from the cloud, uh, and not be the reason that they're not doing it? Yep, exactly. Uh, next, Webroot had a blog about smart wearables uh, and balancing convenience versus security. Not, there's not a ton of content in here. I'd say that the, the, there's a couple points. Uh, you know, they're really when they talk about wearables, they're really talking about like fitness trackers here. Um, and and really, the the point that they make is there are risks in having these fitness trackers, and you should be thinking about what are the risks. You know, we've seen a few different things where the you know breaches of. Um, like run tracker applications that show, hey, the military's been on this island over here. And right. uh, these things that really leak information about you, you may not expect. Uh, and then they, they go through a few different recommendations on uh, what should you do about this. Um, you know, I guess really looking into the particular device you're thinking about acquiring before you buy it. You know, what do the vulnerabilities look like there? And then they make the the recommendation that you should read through the privacy policy for whatever you buy. Uh, yeah, I think, please do that. Everyone read all, you know, yeah. 1 million words in small print of the privacy policy. I think even recommending someone does that is, is just going to get you laughed off. How about this? Maybe skim through and see if there's any big, bold words that scare you, right? Something like that might be useful. Yeah, they also talk about good password practices when using devices like this. Um, you don't want to have your smart wearable hijacked because you use the, the same password that you use everywhere else. 
Uh, next, we have a blog from SecureSet. And, and as I looked at this blog, it's really just basically like, here's the business case for going to SecureSet. Right. Yeah. That, I think that's basically what it is. I would completely agree with that. Um, which is, which I think is really valuable. Uh, it, you know, for those of you who know someone who may be considering either a career change into security or coming out of school, either high school or college, you know, what, what am I going to do? I think taking a look at this blog post might be useful. Um, you know, the, the argument here is, you know, you don't have to be uh, an experienced technical person. You don't have to, you know, have some kind of specific background to really be able to to learn the skills to become a security person in, in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, I think even if you aren't interested in going specifically to SecureSet, uh, you can read the blog and sort of take SecureSet out every time they talk about it and the principles that are there yeah. still apply. Yeah, I think I think it's right. And, and really, we do need to get more folks into the community. And uh, it sounds like, you know, they're they're part of that charge. Next, Coalfire had a blog this week talking about the California Consumer Privacy Act and will it apply to your organization? So they start off with just the highest level, um, you know, who does it apply to? The rules of the CCPA. Um, so they, I say, I'll, I'll give you the high level. It says um, companies that receive personal information for California consumers and meet one of these three thresholds. So number one, you have to get data from California consumers. You have to either exceed annual gross revenues of $25 million, obtain personal information of 50,000 or more California residents or obtain 50% or more of the annual revenue of by selling uh, California residents personal information. So yeah. those are the three things. I think also, you know, one of the nuances here, they do talk about um, what California considers personal data and, and other things like that. If you look at that second bullet, it's not only California residents, but residents, households, or devices. That's kind of weird, huh? So uh, there's a, if you look at the, the CCPA, there's a very broad definition of what information falls under it. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be uh, directly attributable to a person. It can be attributable to a household. Um, and I, I forget the exact language around devices, but there, there's right. some play in there too. So, so Coalfire does a good job breaking apart all of those phrases. You know, I say California residents and they actually drill into what does that mean? Um, so if, if you have, if you're wondering, am I going to have to think about this? Number one, this is the time to do it. Yes. We're just about a year out from uh, this regulation going into effect. Uh, number two, this is a great place for you to start. Uh, take a read through this. Uh, obviously, I'm sure Coalfire would love it if you'd give them a call and if uh, you, you want some help parsing through this stuff. Uh, but if nothing else, you can use this as a starting point you know, before you talk to your own legal counsel internally or externally. And finally, uh, there was a blog from Virtual Armor this week, keeping your network secure in a bring your own device world. Uh, so this was talking about um, the risks that could uh, crop up if you're using uh, BYOD in your organization. Uh, there was some interesting stuff in here, a few things that I agree with, a few things that maybe I, I don't agree with, um, but it was you know, interesting information. Yeah, so they start off talking about what are the risks of BYOD, and they listed five. Uh, increased risk of data leakage, in, uh, increased exposure to vulnerabilities, the mixing of corporate and personal data, increased chances of malware infection, and increased IT infrastructure. So those are the five risks they identified. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I don't agree with here is that, yes, those are all possible risks, but I think it depends on how you're implementing your BYOD totally. policy too, right? If, it, if you're saying, um, I am making my, uh, my BYOD devices um, exactly equal and on par with my corporate-owned devices, yes, I would agree that all of those risks um, probably apply and are probably pretty high. Um, but there, there's a lot of ways to do BYOD where you still limit a lot of those risks. Well, they do go through, uh, you know, some recommendations on how to do that, including some of the stuff I know, you know, you guys do and we do. 
um, you know, so in how to protect your network while using BYOD. I'm not going to go through all of these because they have a pretty long list here, but they talk about using MDM. Uh, they talk about requiring strong passwords, um, you know, it, doing NAC type controls. So, so you're not getting access to the network from your BYOD. So, some stuff that you can really do to, to minimize those risks. Yep. Yeah. So they, they do have a good list there and uh, check that out blog post out if you're interested in BYOD. Yeah. All right. Moving over to the Slack message of the week. Thanks to Andre Gaeta, our our uh, loyal uh, sponsor for this section. Andre, we do appreciate you uh, doing this every week. We get to recognize one of the people from our Slack channel who uh, had a great comment this week. Uh, and this week, uh, Alex, who do we have? This week, uh, we are going to recognize Daniel Ayala. Uh, so congratulations, Daniel. Um, he had, uh, someone had asked about a, um, a privacy policy, not, well, not specifically about a privacy policy, something about, um, well, the sort of the principle that you would put in a, in a privacy policy. And so he shared the privacy policy that he's created for his organization. Um, definitely had some interesting stuff in there and uh, and really enjoyed him him sharing that with everybody. So, awesome. so thanks to Daniel. Uh, keep it up. I would say that Daniel is probably, if not the most prolific um, Slack slacker yeah. in our slack channel yeah. uh if not he's, he's, he's in the top few top five for sure yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few people who, are, who really help uh you know welcome people when they get to the channel provide lots of good information answer questions out there we we appreciate daniel's continual uh contribution to the community there for sure so we'll get you hooked up with andre and you can get your uh free colorado equals security swag awesome uh, moving on to the events, as a reminder, we have a calendar of events on our website. This is, uh, you know, kind of for many of you, probably a behind the scenes thing you don't think about much, but it takes quite a bit of work to keep updated. And uh, it, it, we do try our very best to make sure that this reflects all of the security events that are happening throughout the uh, Denver Metro and Colorado Springs areas uh, over the next, you know, actually throughout the rest of this year, everything we're aware of. Um, so take a look there. Uh, we In the next two weeks, we have uh, several events coming up. Um, on the 28th, there's the GDPR meetup. It's the Data Privacy Day, Privacy Trends for 2019. On the 30th, SecureSet is doing one of their Capture the Flag events. On the 1st of February, Colorado Springs Cybersecurity is doing their first of the year, First Friday, the Social and Mixer. Uh, on the 4th through the 6th of February, the CTA is doing their DC fly-in. This is an interesting event. Um, it's getting a bunch of people from Colorado on a plane, flying to DC, and talking about um, policy issues with uh, lawmakers there. Really advocating for what Colorado wants to see from a tech community in DC. So pretty cool stuff. Exactly. I, I assume you know now that the government's reopened again, this might actually be more useful. That's <laughs> that is true, and I think that the the temporary opening lasts through this date. So I think the government should still be open yeah. when people get there. Uh, the final event in the next couple of weeks is the CTA, Colorado Technology Association, is doing one of their SheTech events. So this is a women in technology event. That's going to be on February 8th. Awesome. Let's move over to jobs. Rob, I will let you kick it off. Yeah, I've got two jobs at Ping this week. We have our manager of infrastructure, uh, what is it called? Manager of security operations and engineering. This is a person who runs our security team that really does like our corporate and production AWS and uh, networking type security. Uh, we're also looking to hire a GRC analyst, someone who's, uh, you know, may, maybe entry level ish, maybe a year or two experience, who's going to help us with our uh, policies, risk assessments, ISO, SOC certifications, business continuity, incident response, really kind of helping that team uh, with those B, uh, GRC type functions. All right. Uh, there is a job at Janice Henderson, the head of technology and SOX audit. So we're, we're going to let you do something fun and something that sucks. Well, I, th I think that probably what they're, I assume what they're saying is that they're doing audit for technology and SOX. It's probably an audit position for those two. Uh, okay. 
Um, so I, what I assume here is that they're the ones who are going to tell Joe McComb if he's doing something wrong. That could very well be. Yeah. So Joe, you know, hopefully we get you someone who's really good at their job and gets you in a lot of trouble. Uh, next, we have a, a position at CoBank. This is a senior security analyst. Uh, really, if you want to go work over there with some really cool guys, we've got Stanton and, uh, and Rob Nyer who are both over there. Uh, Pensco Trust Company is looking for a senior information security program manager. GB Protect is hiring a senior security consultant. Belco Credit Union is looking for an OTS information security intern. Uh, DU, one of the universities that I just mentioned a little bit ago, is hiring a professor of cyber physical systems and cybersecurity. This is part of the uh, Daniel Felix Ritchie School of Engineering and Computer Science. That is quite a long position name yeah, there, Rob. Uh, the state of Colorado is looking for a financial and credit examiner for in for Dora, which is the division of, or sorry, in Dora, the division of banking. Yeah, I think Dora stands for like Department of Regulatory Affairs. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, uh, Dora does all their certifications and stuff. I know that because my wife is a physician assistant, and she has to get her Dora like license renewed. Do they all have to wear little backpacks and have monkey friends? Yeah, there's a lot of exploring and as part of that. Yes. Uh, our final job for this week is with uh, Zvilo. Zvilo, right? Uh, Zvelo. I thought, it was, I thought we said Zvelo, but it's really Zvilo because there's, there's only one L. I, I think it goes with Velodrome. So I think Zvelo. Zvelo. Okay. Yeah. Zvelo has a VP of DevOps that they're hiring. So it sounds like a pretty fun job. Yeah. So if you want to work at a security company helping uh, get their systems going. That sounds like a good, good job. All right. Well, that takes us to the end of the newscast. Um, so Alex, I think for this week's feature interview, you sat down with a couple of new folks, right? Yeah. So I, I talked to uh, two of the founders of a startup out of Boulder called Alpin. Um, ben Soulier and Mark Evans had a nice talk with them, uh, learned about how they got there and what Alpin's all about. Well, looking forward to learning about Alpin. And before we go to Alpin, we actually have a, a really short interview where I sat down with Nick Tate. Nick is the director of communications for the, the brand new Northern Colorado chapter of ISSA. He talks to us about what is that group that's meeting together up there. And uh, if people want to get involved, he, he talks through how we can do it. And I actually do have uh, some links in the show notes to social media if you want to get connected with the ISSA Northern Colorado chapter. Awesome. All right, well, that's it for this week. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to these interviews, and then we'll talk to you guys again next week. Thanks, Rob. This is Michael Steffen, Privacy Security Officer for Connect for Health Colorado. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security for Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals. All right, this is Rob Reck, and I'm here today with Nick Tate. Nick, you are the Director of Communications for the relatively new uh, chapter of ISSA here in Colorado, up in northern Colorado. So I'd love to have you talk to me a little bit about uh, what the chapter is doing up there and how folks can get involved. And I guess maybe starting off to understand how did you first get involved with the chapter up there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been communications director maybe four or five months now. And it was just good timing on me showing up. Uh, they were having elections the day that I arrived. Uh, they needed a communications director. I realized I couldn't find information about the club from the external world uh, is very little on social media or online in general. So I, I basically signed up to fix the problem that I was having. Yeah. I couldn't find the club. Um, so we've been running, the club has been existing and running meetings for over a year, uh, about a once a month. Someone gives a presentation, security, cybersecurity, physical security, 
uh, a lot of different topics. Yeah. And, and where do you guys generally meet? Uh, the group was pretty much founded out of the USDA um, building up there. So there's quite a number of uh, current uh, government workers and alumni from there. Uh, but as with the shutdown right now, uh, the building is locked. We can't use it. We've mm. had to had to adapt around that. Um, so meetings are always in Fort Collins, right? Yep. Uh, and you're you're pulling in folks from from what what areas would you say folks are coming to the chapter of meetings from? Fort Collins, Loveland. Uh, some folks come down from uh, potentially southern Wyoming as well. Wow. Actually, we're only like a half hour from the border. I I lived in Fort Collins like a year before I really realized how close we were. Wow. Uh, and you get some folks from Greeley too, or, or oh, not yeah. yet? Okay. Greeley, Windsor. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty fun. And, and so what's the, uh, what's the feel? Have you been to other ISSA chapters, maybe in Denver or Boulder? How would you say that, you know, differences in terms of the feel of the meetings? Oh yeah. So I've come down to the Lodo as well as the Boulder events a couple times and Comparing those, uh, we serve like a somewhat different niche in that uh, a lot of our speeches are done directly by our members. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to have a couple of sponsors come in soon, but it's a little bit more low-key. We don't serve food, but um, it's at the end of the day, uh, work's over, you can focus on, on what we're talking about and so, just kind of relax. Sometimes. So when do you guys meet? What's the uh, Usually it's the second Thursday of the month, okay. about six. Six o'clock, second Thursday of the month. Yep. And it's generally at the USDA meet, uh, building, but right now, not so much. And who knows how long this yep. shutdown will go on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hopefully by the time this runs, uh, it's it's open again. But Fingers crossed. Yeah. Not so, just for us. Right. For, for what is it, 800,000 people who mm-hmm. are impacted, for sure. Um, so it sounds like, you know, what, what kind of needs do you have from the community? Obviously, this is a place where people can go um, to, to go get to meet other folks in the area, mm-hmm. um, but... Uh, and I, I'm suspecting maybe you need volunteers or speakers or sponsors. What what kind of you know call to action would you put out to the listeners? The most important thing we're looking for is more folks. Uh, it's the same group like week in and week out. We're a dedicated group, but uh, we need to grow. Uh, we're trying to build out our speaking schedule for the rest of the year. We have a couple months booked so far, uh, but we want to get a bit more structure, a bit more planning, and, and hopefully build our leadership team as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, anything else that you want to say to the listeners before we uh, before we call it in? Um. No. All right. Well, Nick, we appreciate you volunteering and helping. You know, drive the 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 chapter. Obviously, it's a wonderful thing to get be able to serve a, a brand new area that you know certainly the the existing chapters of ISSA were not serving. Um, and hopefully, we can help you guys uh, be successful and help you grow. It looks like you have one Actually, more thing to I say. I do have an idea. Um. I'm a huge rock climber, yeah. and uh, if anyone's in the InfoSec area or is trying to get into that area and is interested in rock climbing, come say hi to me on Twitter. All right. Love to talk. Uh, I'd also say, I don't know, Nick, if you're on the Slack channel, that'd be a good thing to talk about. We have the whole random channel. Pull it up there, and if there's people who are interested, we can create a whole new uh, a whole new channel in there to, to talk about rock climbing. There's a skiing one as well already, a ski and ride <laughs> one, so uh, Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate you coming out. We'll look forward to hearing back from you soon and and seeing the success of the chapter. Cool. Thanks so much. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. We have our feature interview today. We have a couple of very special guests with us. 
we have Ben Soulier and Mark Evans from Alpin. Um, or is it, do you guys put the IO on there or just Alpin or? No, we, we just go with Alpin. Just, we're just with Alpin, yeah, okay. With Alpin, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny with all of the, the, the weird, the dot IOs and stuff like that. Sometimes you get a startup and it's like, you know, they have a name and their domain name is dot IO, but they call the company dot IO too. Anyway. Um, so, uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate, uh, you guys being here. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about you guys and get to know you and then get to know the company. Um, Ben, maybe start with you. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, your background, where you're from, what, yeah. you, what, so what as your you career can... was like, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Of course. Uh, I mean, starting with my, my accent, I mean, my atrocious accent, you can understand that I'm not from here, so I'm French. Um, so basically, uh, I started back um, my career in IT in 2002-ish, approximately. Been doing a bunch of stuff between, let's say, Unix, uh, Windows type of thing at the time. Uh, moved to doing some consultancy back in Europe, so I, I did I did that in France, in in uh, UK, and in Switzerland. At last, I worked for quite a lot of Fortune 500 companies. There's a lot of them in Switzerland actually, and uh, so building my career and doing really interesting things for very large uh, size companies like Nestle, for example, like. Some of those companies are 300,000 people, so very interesting challenges, technically speaking, I would say. Yeah. And uh, from there, uh, I mean, always interesting of doing things here and there, so meetups, those kind of things, as you know, so interacting with people, uh, learning new things, learning, I mean, new, knowing new people, those kind of things. And what happened at that time is that, so Julien, which is not there today, uh, who is my one of the co-founders of the company. Uh, we spent some time together and we were uh, having the same kind of issues all the time, you know, when you are, when we are doing that, that kind of job, we had like basically one laptop per client. So each time a different password, a different login to remember and those kind yeah. of stuff. And at the time it was, let's say beginning of the two 2010s, uh, we were starting to have this, this idea of saying, man, having all of that passwords and all of that things to remember that that's that's lame. That, that's not very helpful. Uh, would there be a way to actually have something that would not make you remember all of those passwords and logins and just logging you automatically to something? And this is where I I started just doing tech stuff, like because I, this is what I liked, just building, putting blocks together, and coming up with an idea of oh, I have actually a small POC of something that helps me to connect to an endpoint without a password. Yeah. And that was the, the first glimpse of the first company we, we had at the time, which was called Logger. Uh, so doing that. That's, that's most of the, of the, of the background. And, and, and from there, I can probably give that to, uh, give that to, uh, to Mark for the, for the switch on the, on, the new, uh, on the new product and the introduction of the, of the new platform. Basically, I'll just two two uh, two side notes on that. Uh, we we were also trying to build this company. We did we started to do Techstars in 2015. So we did the Techstars Barclays program in New York. Okay. So this program was more for fintech. So this was kind of the scope of what we are doing in some ways. So we had a few uh, int at the time with Barclays and a few other big clients 
we are really interested on what we do and how we do it, especially. And the co I mean, the, the, even if the technology was cool and everything was working really fine, most of the issues we had at the time was were facing is those big companies are not seeing that necessarily as something which is urgent or neither something that they would need to implement in the next month. And for startups, when you actually roll out a product or you roll out a platform, you need to get things going, right? Right. You, you can't just uh, wait, oh, oh, it's going to be Q2 in two years. That's great, but yeah. if we wait on you, we'll probably be dead by that, right? And so not really the, <laughs> not really the best time to, to, uh, to wait for that. So basically with the, the clients we had and we, the product we had at the time, we started to look at what we have and saying, what can we do with what we have as a base? So knowing that we have a, a kind of a directory of users and connectors to plug to different places and so on. So what can we do on top of that that could be that we can sell uh, faster, that could have uh, some um, some value, uh, let's say in a, in a very shorter term, right. to actually make something. And this is where Alpine starting to take shape. Nice, yeah. Mark. Let's hear about you. What's your what's your history? Um, How'd you uh, get to where you are today? How'd you get involved with these guys? What's, yeah, uh, so I um, moved to Colorado in 2010, and I had been leading a, a marketing agency in Los Angeles. And that, uh, that was built on uh, kind of the foundation of work I'd done at a search engine called goto.com back in the early 2000s. And several of us left this search engine and started some businesses, one of which was an agency. And lo and behold, it took off really well. So we started that agency. And one day I woke up and said, my God, I'm leading an advertising agency. <laughs> I don't want to be doing this. I want to get more into technology. So we had developed some things internally to manage campaigns. And essentially we built our own well, it was an on-prem product at that point, yeah. but we sassified it and uh, then said, hey, let's roll this out and make it a SaaS product for running campaigns. Mm -hmm. So that was my background. And when I moved to Colorado, I knew that I wanted to do something uh, different and new. And I started getting involved in angel investing. And I was at the Boomtown Demo Day and some of my fellow investors, I just said, hey, I'm looking for something to do. And one of them said, you have to do Logger, taking me by the shoulders and shaking me. And Logger was, the, as Ben mentioned, the predecessor product and the predecessor company name. Yeah. And Logger was really intriguing. Ben didn't describe um, all that it does. But yeah. in a nutshell, Logger is a passwordless, biometric, mobile, cryptographic, SSO and IAM technology. So okay. every, everybody listening to this project, this podcast is certainly familiar with the idea. And so the logger technology was really cool because there's never a password, there's nothing to remember, nothing to reset. Really interesting. And Barclays did the pen testing on it and took four guys, four weeks, couldn't break the apps, couldn't break the web app, couldn't break anything. So it was it was really solid. Awesome. But as Ben mentioned, Great technology does not necessarily mean great success. Right. And so I, as an angel investor, was looking at the company um, and thinking about, you know, who are these guys and is this an interesting space and are they good people? And boy, really interesting space and really great people. So I started essentially spending almost full time working with the company 
And then one day, as Julian was uh, leading the fundraising efforts, Julian said, hey, can I put you on the team slide? I said, oh, wow, that's a big move. If I go on the team <laughs> slide, that's pretty, pretty much a commitment. So uh, I thought about that, but it only was about two minutes of thinking. And then said, okay, yeah, let's do this. And so uh, we raised money. And it was really under the auspices and idea that Logger was going to be the product. And uh, with the help of Rockies Venture Club and a number of different uh, individual investors, raised that first round. And so then I was able to come on board. The funny thing was Ben and Julian, because they are not US citizens, could not be employees of the company. So I was the first employee of the company <laughs> that they had really been pushing for years. Um, and so when we, when we had this really great technology, uh, working well, deployed at, at some scale, uh, we also discovered that, as Ben said, not everybody has the urgency to deploy an SSO solution right away. Right. And if you don't raise a fair amount of money, then you kind of set yourself up for a tough time. So we said, well, gosh, we're pretty good knowing about security. We're pretty good knowing about connecting apps and users. What other things are the customers actually looking for? What do they want to solve? And the problem that we consistently heard was, we want to know what we have, right. number one. And then what the heck do we do with it? Who's using it? Is that a problem? Is it costing us extra money? Are we compliant? We have all these programs. And so as we started building out this new product that went by the clever code name of Logger Next, <laughs> we then had a, a, a massive effort to figure out the product name and pulled in all the, all the um, ideas from everybody on the team and of course ended up finding not the marketing driven name but Ben came up with the name mm -hmm. so our technology team and lead built the product named the product so I'm, I'm actually not going to work here anymore I'm just going <laughs> to step back and let yeah. Ben kind of handle everything yeah, yeah so, awesome. so we switched to Alvin yeah. <laughs> sweet so so Mark you said that you moved to Colorado at some point yeah. from LA Ben, you said that you guys did Techstars in New York. Yeah. Were you here but doing Techstars in New York, or did you guys come here after? How did you guys end up here? Okay, so some, some more background on that. So yeah. at the time, uh, I was still in France, uh, so working uh, on, for some clients I used to work with. Uh, and what happened is that, I mean, the, the life cycles of things happening with uh, those kind of programs are pretty short right. <laughs> type of thing. So what basically happened is that we we had a few calls and then we had a few meetings online just trying to understand what we do, how it works and so on. And in a matter of, I think, five weeks, we got the answer saying, oh, by the way, in two months' time, you have to be in New York. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the, of the, of the, of the break right. that has to happen. And then at, at that point, uh, Julien was in Canada, actually, uh, at the time. So he moved over there because his wife was uh, doing a postdoc. So he was already, let's say, on the red continent, which I was not. <laughs> that's a bonus. <laughs> that's a bonus. We have planes, so that's fine. D we are just one, uh, a land border that he had to cross as opposed to a water border. Right. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it depends if you go by train, because by train is yeah, almost yeah. as long as going by plane. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the, the funny thing at that time is that then I, I, just, I just literally took three months um, away from uh, my wife and my daughter at the time, which was four or five years old, so it was really hard for her, but 
we, we were committed on, on really trying to, to do that. So three months all in, uh, immersed in the program in New York. We learned so much thing. I mean, never being part of a, a startup per se and working in the corporate environment is kind of different. So we learned a lot. We, we failed and we failed fast on a lot of things to be able to learn and to do things better and differently. And from the time the program ended, uh, Julien uh, had the chance to go back to Colorado, thanks to Bradfeld, uh, because Bradfeld at the time was yep. already looking at issues uh, for founders who are part of Techstars to be able to come on board and to actually be and do things in, in Colorado. So what he did at the time, if I remember everything correctly, he funded basically a program in CU with some money saying, I want, uh, I want those guys so to, to get a, to get a, a visa to, to, to be able to be in Colorado. They'll give you entrepreneurship classes for, the, for CU on their part-time, and the rest of the time, they can at least be here to actually try to do something right. for, for their product and so on. So this took place, and Mark mentioned that for the, for the fundraising part, and uh, until the fundraising ended, uh, ended up, so Mark was already on board, as he mentioned, and uh, Julien was, so already there also because he was working at CU and I moved April, what was it? Wow, yeah. time is flying so fast. I think it was April last year yeah. or at least two years ago. I don't even remember, wow. I think it was, it was April last year. Awesome. No, I, no. No, we are no, we are in 2019 now. We are. So, uh, so two years true. ago. So technically, yeah, 17, my, yeah, yeah, my counter is not yeah. yet set to the new year. It's, so it does seem weird to say 2019 yeah. still. I'm not yeah. quite adjusted yet. No. Because we're not writing oh. checks anymore, so you don't have that <laughs> mistake every time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you guys, um, I appreciate the fact that you list everyone as co-founders. Mm -hmm. yep. um, you don't always see that, even if it's you know you have three co-founders. It's the co-founder, but this and co-founder. And, you know, CTO and CEO, things like that. Anyway, so my point is I was getting to what exactly are your guys' roles mm -hmm, in yep. the company? Mark, it sounds like, you know, you, you put yourself out of a role. You don't have anything to do anymore. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> but what, what, are, what do you guys do for the company? Yeah, so Julian is the CEO. Okay. And somebody has to have that title. And yep. he focuses on, well, boy, he does a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. But he, he leads the fundraising effort, for example, investor relations, right. which for a startup is a huge amount of, of effort and really important. And he's also a great mobile developer, but we don't have mobile apps right now, so that's nice. He's incredibly crafty at uh, coming up with ways to um, collect, organize, and process data, which for us is huge because we have massive amounts of data on our customers. So that's really, really handy for, um, for us. And he works with bringing in um, new organizations that are trying and uh, deploying Alpin. And Ben is the CTO. Yep. The, so he leads the architecture and back end, front end, all of that. And I came in because I was more of a business person with some sort of technical savvy. But I'm not a security analyst uh, by training. Yeah. I am not a coder by training, so any offers that I give to Ben to help out are rebuffed, <laughs> sadly. Yeah, so that, that's how we split it up. It's, it's a pretty straightforward thing. And then we have a team in Boulder and some people in France as well. Very nice, very nice. So, all right, so I, I've been, uh, you know, being around the bush a little bit, mm -hmm. but so tell me about Alpin. What, what, you guys talked a little bit about how you got to Alpin, but what is it that, that uh, Alpin does? What problems do you guys solve? Um, 
Give me, give me the pitch. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's really it's really based on the needs of several different types of people within an organization solved simultaneously. So, from an IT perspective and a CISO perspective, what SaaS applications are my employees using? Okay. And the problem is immense. So whenever we talk to somebody and they guess at how many applications they might have, their guesses are typically almost an order of magnitude below what the truth is. So I can tell you with some stats that our team pulled up, if you are a company of, let's say, 100 to 250 people, so average might be 150 people out of that, you have about 160 SaaS applications that are in use. And most people think, oh, we have about 20 or maybe 50. Right. Once you start getting up into, let's say, 10,000 plus, and th these numbers are based on our customers, 10,000 plus, our customers have over 5,000 SaaS applications that are in use. And most detection of that is done either from a firewall basis, where you know, wh what's getting pinged, or from a financial basis of what's getting paid. And the knowledge is not really spread. And so having a central dashboard to say, what do we have, who is using it, when are they using it, and specifically how are they using it is right. kind of problem number one. Okay. Problem number two, once you know that, okay, so tell me about the security implications. And I'll, I'll I think, a great example is in a G Suite environment, uh, really, really prevalent, people sign in with G Suite. And when you sign in with your Google account, you grant permissions to that application. And yep. everybody just clicks right through. Almost everybody. Right. CISO's not going to click right through, <laughs> mostly. No, but, I click through yeah. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the permissions that are given are really outrageous. And some stuff is surprising. Uh, Adobe Acrobat actually has full access to Gmail permission. Now, that is probably sloppy programming. It's not a malicious dark web, you know, they're selling right. information. But my.com is a Netherlands-based, Russian-owned gaming site. And in one of our customers, 50 people had authorized my.com to get access to all of their Gmail. If that's your director of finance, or a security person, or an M&A person, and who knows exactly what they're doing, but it's, it's right. a big risk. Yeah. And that's not just G Suite, because if you give Calendly access to your Outlook calendar to help you with scheduling, well, that thing needs access to your calendar. And what do you have in there? So just knowing, and that's one slice of the, of the, uh, of the security pie, obviously. But that's something that it's really hard to depict that. And so we have an approach to say, here are the applications, here are the users, here are the permissions, and we've scored those to make it actually usable to say, well, what do I do about this? So that's a problem that some people realize they face and some people don't realize they face yeah. on the security side. Yeah. Something which is really funny on, on top of what Mark was saying is that uh, the fact of not realizing is, is really the, the, the onboarding and the, the first access to the platform because everything is automated in terms of discovery uh, up to those information is people then experience, uh, let's say, the, the knowledge of those applications and those things first. And they just ended up on the dashboard saying, wow, I, I was not suspecting any of that. Yeah. So, that's the, so that's the wow effect that, that's really interesting in that case. Um, 
So when I, when you describe the, the product and the, the things that you're trying to solve, the first thing that comes to my mind is CASB, Cloud Access yep. Security Broker. Mm -hmm. yep. Is that a category that you would put yourselves in? Um, and, oh well, and whether or not you do that, uh, do you feel like that that is, uh, that, that is sort of what you're doing or you, ha you guys think you're fundamentally different from, um, you know, a uh, uh, sky high or uh, yeah. managed methods or uh, you mm -hmm. know, whoever else? Yeah, no, we are similar to complementary with a CASB. Okay. CASBs typically are going to be incredibly powerful, very granular control, and that comes at a cost, uh, sometimes monetary for sure, but in terms of configuration, deployment, setup, management, that is something that realistically takes time. And so talking with a number of folks in the CASB space, and again, you, you and your listeners are gonna know this inside and out if you've researched CASBs and used them. Um, deployment can take many months to actually get it set up and running fully. And if you wanna use like a reverse or forward proxy, then it's also kind of, hey, it's a choke point now. So that's, right. that's a decision you have to make versus basically just APIs. So we do two things that are pretty different. Number one is we're pretty instant on. And number two, we display things in ways that we haven't seen in CASBs. So ours is truly a dashboard in the sense of what is there? Just give me, give me the list prioritized by security risk. And that's from a what are the applications perspective. But you can also slice and dice and say, I want to see a particular user and what they're accessing. Or I want to see, I've tagged a bunch of users as this is the... Um, this is the GDPR compliance team, and what kind of stuff have they used? Like, is, right. is their stuff even GDPR compliant? Uh, so, and when do they use it? So you can slice and dice things differently. But we operate really in parallel with a CASB, and we don't claim to, to go after the depth they have at this point, and I don't think that's something that we're going to go after because it's just that's an intensely uh, high investment business to build a great CASB product, and there are a bunch of them that are really good. So yeah. we're quick and the display of information is very usable. Okay, and so it, it sounds like, or, or do you guys have a, a remediation component as well? Um, or is it is it just a um, exploration knowledge, kind of who's doing what kind yeah. of stuff? Yeah, it's yeah. funny, you can think of the world of applications like this in terms of dashboards mm -hmm. that give you information right. and control panels that let you actually take action. And so we're a mix. And on the dashboard side, collecting information about the different applications in use, the different users, the different permissions, files being shared, um, email, uh, kind of DLP related stuff. When it comes to the control panel side, I would say, here's a good example. We are able to essentially blacklist applications and stop them with the push of a button. It, to, if you find some permissions that you don't wanna have for that my.com, for example. So push of a button, you can actually take control of that, or you can do it at a user level. From a DLP perspective, we're more of a DLN, like a digital loss notification, as opposed to, or data loss notification rather than data loss prevention okay. at this point. That will change over the coming year, but right now it's, it's only a piece of it. So some of the things that we also do are like deprovisioning. So some applications we can help deprovision. So those are kind of workflows and actions right. that aren't necessarily part of a CASB might be part of another thing. Okay. So, so Ben, 
-hmm. How does it work? The, uh, <laughs> I guess that's the easiest way to get to it, right? Um, you know, you guys mentioned uh, that most of the time to, to know this sort of stuff, you're looking at uh, network traffic or, mm -hmm. um, or you're talking to your purchasing department to see you know, who paid for what. what. How is it that you guys get all this information and how, how does the product work? Okay, so basically the way it works today, you have to see uh, our platform as being uh, uh, so the dashboard that Mark was talking about. And we have uh, a bunch, uh, quite a lot of uh, integrations that we have around the application that you choose to integrate uh, or not. It's, it's up to you to say, oh, I want to connect to, um, so um, the firewall is one, uh, from an API point of view, could be uh, Salesforce, could be Box, Dropbox, and any of those let's say big players in the, in the SaaS market. And basically what we do is making sense of all that information in, in, in the box when it's there. The, the interesting part, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to make a, a, small, uh, a small thinking of what we had with Logger is, what was painful with Logger, which is not the case with Alpine, is that having SSO for a company is usually a kill switch. You have to implement it for everyone or you don't implement it at all. Right. In the case of Alpine, What's interesting in that case is that we give insights and information just monitoring and plugging to different systems without having to interfere or to start to be put in place or in front of things that could break or that could involve additional, as, as Mark mentioned, setup or anything like that. We just look at streams, basically streams of information and make sense of that to to give insightful, uh, insightful data to people to, to then take either actions from us or take actions uh, at a different level from the company point of view. Gotcha. So it sounds like if you have some, um, I'll call them, you know, sanctioned SaaS apps, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, your company uses Salesforce. Yeah. You guys can hook into, into Salesforce, pull data about who's doing what, you know, who has access to what. Exactly. Um, if you're on G Suite, you could, uh, you know, plug people plug into G Suite, I assume, and get, mm -hmm. get that kind of data. Yep. But then it also sounds like for the ones that maybe are not sanctioned cloud apps, you know, you could plug into my firewall and say, oh, hey, where, where are people going? What, let's pull that data and see what SaaS apps exactly. are connected to. What we, what, we, what we figured out just building the product alongside is that there is no such thing as having one way of getting the data and having only one. And that's, that's really what we've learned uh, across the, the whole life cycle of the product which makes, uh, I don't remember how many, uh, we have tens of, of discovery methods today. Uh, API is one, logs is another one. We can actually, and we do uh, look at your emails in the sense that, I mean, not intrusively, we, 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 we restrain, I mean, be, coming from the security world, we re usually restrain ourselves just to look at the bare minimum of what we need to have to be able to make sense of something. And one of those things is, for example, your email headers. We just only look at when the email was received, what's the title of the email. We have some machine learning type of thing that runs behind the scenes to make sense of that, to, to, to kind of trying to articulate that saying, this person is probably paying for that because there's like an email saying, oh, your Slack bill of that much has been received, blah, blah, blah. So that's another, that's another way. And we, we go into multiple ways, but even with all of the, mechanisms we have, we are not at 100%. And, and that's the thing is, neither any solution could be because there's always ways of doing it aside, outside of the company's network, using a hotspot or 
whatever could be the, the possibilities to avoid going through those kind of platforms. So we're just trying to have as many boxes as we can from and just take all of the data to, to try to make some sense of it as a whole. Nice. Uh, I would also imagine that since it is a uh, sort of an API plugin kind of uh, solution, it's probably pretty easy to set up and you know fairly low overhead. You're, I'm, you're not going to you know send me a, a a pizza box to put in my rack and you know things like that. So <laughs> right, right. No, no, we don't we don't sell you like like Google was doing at the time, like uh, a Google search box that you plug in your own network that sniffs for everything to right. provide you search experience or anything. Right. right. So we have on the dashboard is pretty simple. You have a, an integration list. You say I want to integrate that. We do either OAuth type OAuth, OAuth dense type type of thing. We ask for tokens or or endpoints we can actually get the data from, and that's about it. Nice. Yeah, those discovery methods, there are 13 of them. Um, yeah, so I was seeing tens. Obviously. Yeah, not tens. <laughs> when far. you said tens, I'm like, wow, that's, <laughs> but there's Just 13 above, of them. Okay. <laughs> but some of them are uh, yeah, API-based, whether that's to an individual application like a Salesforce or right. something that can be uh, like an Okta on the SSO side, G Suite and O365. Um, then there are essentially working in partnership with uh, you know a firewall or a proxy server and getting the logs from that and then processing it and just displaying the, lo the logs in a fundamentally different manner, more usable manner. And then there's endpoint detection, whether via browser plugin or an agent. Mm -hmm. And okay. then there's financial system detection. So looking at online banking or uh, expense re reporting systems or accounting systems. And we also recognize that not just security people are worried about giving too much data. The finance team might not want to integrate right. NetSuite with us. So that's right. fine. Just dump a CSV file and we'll analyze the CSV file and apply some intelligence to it to say what is our confidence level that this item is actually a subscription to LucidChart right. as opposed to something else. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that's cool. So. Um, it sounds like you guys have uh, uh, some some good base level uh, capabilities. What is on the roadmap? I, you know, you said now you can do uh, what was it DLN? Is that you said data <laughs> right. loss notification. And, <laughs> right. Uh, what what is coming up? What else should we, we look for? Yeah, I think some of the biggest things we're looking for are fit into several different categories. So first category is reporting and alerting. So right now we have a bunch of canned reports and canned alerts and making them more customizable by the end customer is really useful. So um, didn't mention the cost side, but one of the things is when you start looking at uh, applications, you find substitute applications like you're using Basecamp and Asana and Jira. And then the second thing is you find users who are, or, or rather, different pools of the same application. You want to pool them together into an enterprise. And then you want to know when they're renewing. So notification of when that's happening. So the reporting and notification center, beefing that up is one angle just for usability. A second thing is looking at the um, workflow control panel angle from a, I want to do something and from a checklist perspective, just to make sure that I say, here's somebody who's offboarding. Let's have the checklist. Let's assign it to different people. Let's make sure that the steps are all taken. We have 
uh, kind of an alpha version of that, but that's a big deal because that's a pain point for people. So we want to solve it in a way that makes it really simple. And then from a, um, from a detection and telling you what's happening perspective, building out even more integrations and more um, just data collection to show what people are doing so that you can forensically look back and say, hey, a week before um, Alex left the company, what was Alex doing in various applications? And oh, that was interesting. Alex downloaded all the contacts out of Salesforce. Right. Th that's curious. Yeah, well, Why would Alex do that? Yeah, well, of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> in the company. Why wouldn't I take all my contacts with me? So yeah, d discovering more and more types of stuff and putting them in there is big. And Ben, there may be some other things. Not sure if I hit them all, but that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Cool. Um, so. What about on the, not on the, the product side, but it, as a company? You know, you guys are uh, clearly a startup. Um, what's, the, what's the path right now for, for the startup? Are you guys, uh, are you hiring people? Are you, uh, I mean, as a startup, you're probably always doing some sort of fundraising, but. Um, <laughs> um, well said. It, it, you know, what does that stuff sort of look like right now? Uh, so our team right now is, uh, most people are in Boulder and a couple of people in France. As I mentioned before the pod started, one of our team members was in the U.S. on a J-1 trainee visa from yeah. France and went back and is now working with us from France, which is fantastic. And um, we will probably hire more in the United States rather than outside the United States. We found that the, the benefits of being close and in the same time zone are pretty helpful. Yeah. Um, We'll, we'll expand, but yeah. but I think we'll start that that phase. As you mentioned, the fundraising, we're always fundraising. Luckily right now, we've raised a couple of rounds, and in the last round, our investors were super committed to leading the A round as we start growing and hitting some, some more metrics. And as any startup does with the bumps and you know, plateaus, we've still been able to power upward. And now yeah. looking at the next few months, we should be able to actually raise that next round and add more people. And the big thing is um, not just the product, but the customer success side of this, because there's so much data. I mentioned there's so much data that we're collecting that we, we have to build the tools to automatically analyze them. And in order to, that, to do that, we have to manually analyze them first to figure out what the heck we're doing right. and what needs to be automated. And so uh, working with our customers to give them the insight so they can take action is a huge area for us to invest in. So those are the probably a couple big areas we'll be, we'll be hiring for in the next few months. Awesome. Uh, we're getting close to time here. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there's anything that you guys wanted to touch on that I, I haven't hit yet or uh, you know, any other topics that we need to, to cover while we're here. Yeah, I, the big thing for me was discovering the team here doing the podcast and the all of the people associated with it. And by that, I mean, when Ben and I were looking through and listening to some of the pods previously, there is a great cast of characters that exist in Colorado. For sure, and yes. We don't know them all. And it's just, it's super exciting, actually, to be part of a community and know that there's still so much more opportunity to make those connections and meet more people. I mean, it's just... It's a bunch of really solid, smart, capable people. And uh, that, that to me is just a great learning from getting exposed to this. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I appreciate you guys being here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for having us. It's, 
I would, I would just, I would just um, add on top on, of what Mark was saying. I mean, before before you contacted us to to, uh, to 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 talk about that, I was, I was not, uh, I was not seeing that there is that much uh, already people communicating and talking about those kind of subjects. Uh, at, uh, let's say at the scale of Colorado as a, as a whole. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, what I like about Colorado as a, as, a, as a state, because I, I mean, I've been for work in multiple places, but Colorado is kind of a, it's kind of a unique place in the middle of all the U.S. Uh, in the sense that uh, there is this um, community type of thing, especially on technology, that I, I don't necessarily found in other places, and yeah, that's that's it is, it's really energetic and it's 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 really great, and I and I. I really like being here. Awesome. Well, that, that's great to hear, and uh, we're glad that you guys are here, part of the the security community in Colorado. And uh, it's been great talking to you. And I'm sure we'll have it in the show notes. But if anyone wants to find you guys, it is uh, alpin.io, correct? Yes. A l p i n. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, Indi ben, Indian Ocean. That's where we're located. That's right. <laughs> ben, Mark, it's been nice talking to you guys. Uh, appreciate your time today. Uh, this has been Colorado Equal Security, and we will talk to you next time. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado Equal Security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.